Se ha detectado una amenaza. Cuídate que anda por ahí, coronaviru. 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 Corona, 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 coronaviru. Corona, 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 coronaviru. Enfermero, enfermera, tráeme la mascarilla, tráeme el filiplón, la gel y la pastilla. Me duele la cabeza, la mano y la rodilla. Si tú estás en el bar, me paro la camilla. Tápate la boca, tú no me vas a enfermar. A mí no me va a dar, tápate la boca, tú no me vas a enfermar. Es coronavirus, a mí no me va a dar. Episode 36 of The Rundown. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, MetroFan TV. We're back this week. Uh, no guarantees in the upcoming weeks uh, due to the upcoming circumstances. And it's just in time for us to have rebranded the weekly rundown as merely The Rundown. That's Fernando coming to you live from Singapore and New Jersey, bringing to you everything, the latest, everything new, and everything recent in the world of Red Bull soccer, as usual. How are you doing today, Fernando? Doing good. I'm not dying yet, so that's always a positive. Well, it's because you're not a boomer, so I think you'll be fine. (laughs) 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 I'm really 100% on board, like, calling this thing the boomer remover pandemic. (laughs) Like, and, like... It, to, to call it a pandemic, I think, would be kind of implying that removing boomers is bad, which, as evidently, it's not. Because as it turns <laughs> out, people, class warfare can be based amongst generational lines every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So amongst the mass hysteria of the coronavirus outbreak in America, we played soccer, right? Uh, our first long-distance um, road trip of the uh, year brought us to the pristine plains of Sandy, Utah, amongst the Wasatch Mountains, to the Rio Tinto Stadium, where we played Real Salt Lake to a, a very drab early season 1-1 draw, didn't we? I mean, uh, watching that game would be... Um, could be very generously be described as a slog, you know. Uh, it's never it's never easy going to uh, to a place at an elevation early in the season, and especially when especially when you play, I think uh, a system like ours is supposed to be ideally played, right? You know, like a lot of high intensity where it demands so much from the players physically to be able to go ninety minutes without at full intensity. Like, or at least this is how it's supposed to be when we play the way we're supposed to be playing, because I think kind of brings us to the main um, the main focus of this recap, right? I think you saw a lot uh, during this game where you saw a lot of uh, the typical Chris Honda shit. I think at this point, right? You know, I think uh, it comes back to this problem of not pressing high and not pressing hard for most of the game. Because you kind of saw throughout most of the, uh, for, for most of the first and the second half anyway. I mean, like a team set up in like a very mid-level block, right? The only two people that I really saw pressing for most of the uh, first half after Casares' goal was Royer and White. 
And for the most part, the team was just kind of content to just sit back and try and condense the center of the field. But as you know, we've talked, I think, discussed at length um, many, many times through past episodes that this isn't exactly how the team is set, supposed to be set up to play, right? The moment you stop the press, uh, well, continuing to play a high line, right? Because I think that's what it kind of looked like. You saw the way the team was set up. It was in a four, flat 4-4-2. Four, four, the back line was pushed up to just behind the halfway line, and the first line of midfielders sat just beyond the center circle, right? While the front two pressed, while the back, while the back um, eight, I think, yeah, the back eight, this mostly kept two very flat lines that were centered around keeping the middle of the field compressed. But the problem with sitting back like that is that it allow it get, it basically gives up agency of the game to the opposition, right? And that's where you saw Salt Lake starting to do all kinds of things. They realized that they were going to be applying very minimal pressure early on in the game. We were going to be applying very minimal pressure for the 15-minute onwards. The back line was just kind of comfortable stroking the ball around to try and pull us out of shape defensively. And, uh, you know, you can see many times throughout the first half where they'd be doing that. You know, I think slowly shifting the ball out wide to try and pull that, to pull that second line of midfielders out a bit wide to opening up passing lanes and in the middle. And when the passing lanes to the middle of the pitch were opened up, you saw them playing a lot of those vertical balls over the top to try and play in, to play the attackers in behind our, our defensive line pushing high. Because, you know, naturally when there's a high defensive line, you know, there'll be a lot of space opening up in behind the attackers. No, sorry. A lot of space opening up in behind the E defenders for attackers to run into. And, you know, I think it's quite clear to me that RSL's manager had more of a game plan to uh, had more of a game plan to address us than we did to address them, you know. And I really just can't begin to like describe just how depressing it is for me to say that, right? Like I think um, we were all talking about the 2018 season and how it seemed that we were on you know the cutting edge here. We were truly running rampant throughout the league. And to basically see our manager be out coached by who's the RSL manager's name? Uh, um, <clears throat> Freddie Juarez. Yeah, like yeah. See Chris Armas basically get out managed by Freddie Juarez, and what was essentially a clash between two mid table sides in MLS. It doesn't really fill you with a lot of confidence for the rest of the season. You know, uh, you can say it's still early, but. Look, I mean, we've had a whole season at this point to kind of judge results under this manager. And this really does seem in the early outlook like it's going to be more of the fucking same this year. So I guess if coronavirus really does end up canceling the rest of the season, I'll consider it a blessing in disguise. No, no, because all that's going to do now is that just gives him a longer leash. Like, wow, guys, it's okay. He sucked. But it's because of the coronavirus. And we get another year of him. Yeah, actually, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, but you don't understand. You see, we're undefeated. We, we, we have an invincible season, okay? Like Liverpool couldn't do that shit. Us, we fucking did it. Chris Armis outmanaged Jurgen Klopp, ladies and gentlemen. Suck on that. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, oh no, go ahead. No, it's just it's. It's frustrating, man. I, I, I can't even – that was such a hard game to watch. I couldn't watch it live. Um, 
I don't even remember what the fuck I was doing that day, but I, I couldn't watch it live. And, uh, you know, I recorded, I watched it and good Lord, I, I just fucking, you know, I really, I'm, I really, 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 really played myself because those two preseason games gave me a little bit of hope. Um, and just seeing some of the back end changes made me think, wow, okay, you know what? Shit. Maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't going to be too bad. Like we wouldn't be a shield. Yeah. I didn't think think we would be a shield contending team, but I didn't think we would be, you know, fucking just a complete absolute mess. Like we were last year. And then the season happens and it's like, well, fuck, maybe we are because Chris is just, he just doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, that first half of, 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 of Cincinnati, that is how we should be playing at all fucking times. And it just, it's infuriating to see what this team is capable of, even under him. And then we get, forget the second half of, 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 uh, of, of the first game against Cincinnati. The entire game against RSL was fucking garbage. It was just absolute unwatchable fucking nonsense. I've seen like U17 games. I've seen U15 games in the park. Like that, I've seen pickup games that were more fucking exciting than that shit. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand why on earth he is so quick to just abandon everything that works. I, I've never seen a manager that's, that, that, that sees something that, that, that's good and works and says, you know what? This is working too good. Let's stop doing this. It's basically what he does all the fucking time. Like I know, I look, I know it's high altitude and all that shit, but for crying out loud, there's no excuse for how poorly they played and and not even just how poorly, just how slow they were, and and the whole the whole sitting back and you know I'm watching them just playing this mid block, and Arsenal's back line is just pinging it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and no one's fucking doing anything. They're 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 playing catch. It's like watching a fucking like father and son playing catch in a park. Like, what are you doing? Like, do something. And after like a million minutes, all of a sudden you might see someone, you know, like make a half press and then they lose, you know, then, then, then shit starts going down. But even then they're, they're starting to backtrack. It's just, I, I don't, oh my God, man. It, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I hope he takes whatever time that, that, that this team is going to be off 30 days or whatever the fuck it is to really, really, really take a, a deeper look. But I have no faith in that because I mean, he had a, an entire you know, three, four month off season, and this is what we're getting. So, yeah, I mean, when you when, when you talk about like a, the inability to just do anything while the defenders are pinging them back and forth, you know, I mean, it completely negates the whole point of playing a high line to begin with. If you ask me, you know, like uh, because you know, if, as as I think I mentioned at the top of the episode, if you have if you're giving their back line all this time and space to move the ball around slowly, you know. Uh, it gives it gives the opposition time to settle, pick out passes, and slowly move into position, opening up, to open up passing lanes to potentially pick holes in our back line, right? And I think a much better team with, uh, you know, I think ac- better actual attackers besides the shell of Justin Miram and a collection of uh, other dudes like Demir Krylak and Albert Rusnak would have just run roughshod with the amount of uh, space that was opening up in between uh, our two lines in the center of the pitch, right? When RSL slow... When, and you'd always see the same things, like kind of activate RSL's attacking movement, right? Like once they realized that we weren't going to be pressing high, I they just simply just slowed down the ball, 
pinged it slowly. Everyone gets in a position. And then a pass out wide to the touchline opens up the space in the center of the pitch. When our defenders are reacting to it, they pass in and then dink a ball in over the top, either from out wide or into the center of the pitch from the open passing lane to try and catch our defenders out of position. You know, the point of the high press, right? The point of the high line is supposed to be there when the high press, when we're pressing high and hard, because the defenders aren't going to be afforded the amount of time and space in the ball that our team was was providing them for most of for most of this game right you saw it so easily like throughout the first and second half here like when defenders have the time that they were afforded to pick out the pass to just pick up passes and slowly get accustomed to being on the ball a bit more like that's how you suddenly get dudes like tim parker just being caught out of being caught out by all kinds of passes being played over them vertically right because these aren't the harried, rushed clearances that the high press is supposed to be generating that allows our defenders to kind of come in and win aerial duels or win in things in the center of the pitch, right? These aren't harried, rushed clearances or bad decisions made by a back line out of desperation. These are measured, these are measured passes now, right? That the, that the opposition defense is capable of playing. Measured passes that are controlled and are part of a larger um, attacking setup, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a lot more controlled and a lot more, I would say, like I said, you know, I've used the word measured a lot because basically, because basically the opposition has, has the, we're basically ceding um, control of the game's tempo to the opposition and not pressing high. And that negates a single biggest advantage, right? Like you saw the knock-on effect that this had on the attack for most of the game. You know, our inability to generate turnover, our only goal of the game came off of a turnover high up the pitch that Caceres just kind of knocked down and just said, fuck it, I'm going to shoot in 20 yards. And it just happened to go in. Yeah. You know? Note how the only goal of the game came off a turnover high up the pitch, ladies and gentlemen. Like, no, fuck that is supposed That's to be the point of the fucking press. The Who press is our best chance creator because it creates these, it creates a lot of these turnovers high at the pitch that result in quick, you know, quick chance creation and the ability to potentially create chances. I think about what seven or ten seconds after regaining the ball. You know, it's a bit like a, the Rick D'Antoni offense, right, for the Phoenix Suns. You know, like <laughs> um, to use a basketball analogy. But um, yeah, I mean, and then he goes back to it. Uh, so the moment we started sitting back, you saw all the same kind of bullshit that you saw from the team when they were just completely out of ideas last year. You know, just very casual, slow tempo passing and hopeful balls into the box to hopefully that would hopefully find Royer and White in there. And naturally, as a result of that, because of our inability to basically create anything in, uh, from these opportunities... Like, naturally, we put up a 0.17 XG. And I think this is one of those incidences where expected goals, like, really is a very telling indicator of how poorly that we played, you know? Like, we weren't turning the ball over high up the field at all. It took away our biggest ability to create chances. And as a result of that, if you're just mostly spending most of the, most of the game like we did in the second half, aimlessly pinging crosses into the box in the hopes that it will just kind of bounce around 
and he'll fall into the lap of Brian White to score to poke it into like his I don't know his eyelash or something. Like, yeah, that's that's not a winning formula, like at all. Yeah, I mean, look, know, the whole point the whole point of the press is, you know, you you, you press high. Either you win the ball high up the field and you're able to create a, a, a quick turnover, or sometimes you'll have these, you know, these pressing traps high up the field where, you know, you're pressing, but you're really kind of just forcing them to to just get rid of the ball. Even if they get rid of the ball deeper into the field, it's fine because now this is where your ball winners come into play, and this is where being playing compact comes into play because if they do that, you're able to hunt them. You're able to, to just just go right in and anticipate where the ball is going, press. You have you know counter press. Um, if you win the ball, great. If you if 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 you you know you have to wait for the second or third ball, that's fine. But still, the constant remains. You press. You win the ball. You transition. This shit that he's been doing just completely negates all of that. Because even even if you look at how like Nagelsmann plays, or or even some of the Salzburg, the previous Salzburg managers who played, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more of a mid block. Their pressing triggers still revolve around those same those same concepts. They weren't sitting back. There's a difference difference between playing in a mid block but still being able to press aggressively and using certain triggers and just sitting back and kind of just like camping out. And that that's what this team does more often than not. They're they're just sitting in this mid block doing app. I even at this point it's hard for me to even figure out what the triggers even are because it's just not a lot of times it doesn't make sense. They're not trying to, to force through movement, certain passes to create, you know, more triggers or, or to create moments uh, uh, to, you know, to press and win second balls. They're, they're totally just waiting for RSL to do something and then react. And that's just not how they're supposed to play. Even the, even even when it seems sometimes like the team would be reacting, they weren't. Because if you you know we're talking period EDS now, you know in those moments where it looked like they were you know reacting instead of being proactive, it looked like that. But if you actually studied and saw what they were doing, their pressing and their movements created you know kind of a chain reaction that again appeared that they were reacting, but they weren't. This is just total reaction. Chris Harvest's entire game plan at this point is just wait and see what they do and then press. And that just it um, it doesn't work. It has it didn't work all of last year. We're lucky it worked for the second half of 2018, and it, it hasn't worked in three of the four halves. So I don't understand what 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 we're I don't, what are we doing here? I don't. I hate to say like fucking what's his name, but really, what the fuck are we doing here? What what I I saw that goal, man, and I just felt like something ripped my entire insides out I'm like way, way I've seen this before. I have fucking seen this exact thing before. And I, I swear the rest of the game, I'm thinking like, where have I seen this? Boom. Atlanta. I posted the, I posted the, the, uh, the clip of it um, on the account. That is a near identical fucking goal from what? November of 2018. All this time, all those games, you're going to tell me nothing was learned. The exact same fucking buildup, man. Everyone's just trotting back, absorbing the pressure, giving them all the space in the fucking world, just waiting for that moment, and boom. Nice, nice little, nice little, you know, ball right into the box. Parker can't jump for shit at all. If he was 14 feet tall, I'm convinced he would still manage to get beat. 100%. 
100%. I've never seen someone so big and tall be so physically like non-present in my entire fucking life. It's it's impressive. It's not actually it, impressive. And how like, really? Dude, it's so bad. Like how how does he continuously get beat like that? It's fucking unbelievable. And it was the exact same play. So he's doing exactly what he did before. Nothing has been learned. Nothing has been learned. All this time, not a goddamn thing has been learned. I don't. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what 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 he's doing here. It, it it makes no fucking sense. You know, it's really funny that you uh, bring up the Atlanta game because I'd argue that we'd already seen like the exact same play transpire even earlier in the game, right? Like, because remember the disallowed goal from Douglas Martinez came off the exact same play. You know, oh, like geez. right, yeah. <laughs> It was like, yes, you have seen that before because literally 30 minutes before that even happened, they had already chalked it off because of VAR. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm always, look, man, I, I get it. Like at this point, he's a manager, you know, it is, it is a manager's right to, to, to roll out whatever tactics he want and all that shit. But you know what? We're a year and a half in, a year and a half in. He's got all the resources you could possibly ask for. There's no excuses anymore. There's none. There's no excuse why the team is doing the same fucking stupid bullshit that has failed time and time again. It's like the moment they score, the moment we get a goal, the moment they get any kind of momentum, it's like, oh my god, no, no, let let let's 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 vindicate Atlanta. Or like, I don't like. I would love to sit him down and 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 ask him why do you intentionally. Because I'm so tired of the fucking bullshit excuse from last year. Of, oh no, teams are playing long balls, and you know, oh we didn't know he didn't know what to do. Ever like fuck, fuck this whole by pre- by pressing the uh, bypassing the press and all that bullshit. That's all fake. That stop. Enough of that shit. Enough of that bullshit excuse. There is no there is no bypassing of the press. He's bypassing the press because he's telling them not to fucking press. He's literally telling them just sit around. He's telling them to watch the the back line ping balls back and forth like they're playing fucking catch in a park. That there's no bypassing. He's he's instructing them to not play the way they should be playing. So at this point, there is no reason why he's not 100% accountable for the tactical garbage vomit. It's fucking it's it's fucking coronavirus vomit that we see on the fucking field. It's pathetic. It is absolutely fucking appalling that we have to see this garbage fucking game in and game out. We're going to see this this whole season because I have no reason to believe that at any point this season, we're going to be up and we're not going to see them just decide to say, okay, no, no more. We're doing too good. Let's start sucking. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's really funny to me that like uh, so much is uh, centered on being able to bypass the press, you know, and I think really think that MLS media has successfully poisoned the brains of so many, uh, so many people who watch this team, you know, I think uh, in stating that the whole old reason for this, um, sudden tactical shift is to prevent teams from bypassing the press because two hours down in Pennsylvania, there is a team with a former Red Bull executive at its home that looks more like a Red Bull team than we do right now. I mean, it's certainly fucking working for the Philadelphia union and they did. did, you, this- actually, did, you, did you actually see part of that game? They look good, man. I mean, I got to say Dude, they, play more like, they play more like a Red Bull team than we play like a Red Bull team. Yep. You know, and like they and they've and they've implemented this without changing managers. They're still managed by Jim fucking Curtin. You know, so I mean, in so, so, something something's got to give at this point. You know, like like I mean, I guess maybe credit to Jim Curtin. Like, uh, you know, maybe he he does maybe he does have more tactical acumen 
than Chris Armistead's. I would probably say that the way he's got the Philadelphia Union playing right now, that he probably does. Um, you know, but um, I'll, 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 I'll go back to your point about space, right? And how it was basically impossible to figure out like what the triggers were. You know, I think, um, like I said, it's an image burned into my mind, you know, from the RSL game. Uh, about how you're talking about how we're not really moving our midfield lines in any sort of way to try and usher the ball into areas where we can press them, right? And I don't think that was any clearer than the way you saw our second row of four defenders set up when we were in our defensive phase, right? It was just so static and flat. You know, they were literally operating in a flat line in the middle of the pitch, you know? Like, um, and as a result of that, you know, like of how the four of them just seemed to be very bunched together in that small line, whenever the ball would come out to the left side of the field on the RSL side, the one that would be coming to combat them would be Cal Duncan, usually, right? Well, the four of them would try and stay condensed in center of the pitch. But the four of them would just mostly stay in the middle and not flush over to, like, the right side of the pitch in the Red Bull half, right? To come and support Kyle Duncan and combat the ball and to compress space even more. Like, you saw none of that space compression that is central to the tenet of doing this Nagelsmann-style um, mid, mid-block trap, right, that you see with RB Leipzig this year. because. And when you take away the off-ball movement on the defensive side of the ball and being able to convince and, and being able to compress the side of the pitch, even though you're sitting, you're quote-unquote sitting back a bit more, that's what's going to give the opposition all the time and space that they need to just slot into a half space, get on the ball, and then have the attackers ahead just make the runs in the channels to latch onto a vertical ball and over the top. You know? And you saw them try and do that a whole ton you know, in the first half. And that's not even to begin talking about the second half where everything just went tits up, right? The complete, the left channel was a complete fucking black hole for the entirety of the second half, okay? And I don't want to knock a kid uh, who's basically playing in his second game, professional game too much straight out of college. But, you know, I think when you talk about the complete breakdown in the second half, you know, I mean, look, man, I mean, Patrick Segrist, you know, he's not ready. You know, like, it's it's just so abundantly clear to me. Like, an absolute nightmare of a game. You know, I mean, Parker had his usual, like... Parker, you know, has his usual, like, fucking lapses of individual stupidity that he seems to have because of his inability to leap more than three inches, you know? But Segrist, man, like, I, I feel bad for knocking him, but it's just so very... It's very clear to me. Like, he he had no idea where to be on the field, like, at all. You know, like, I think he, if, he, if I looked at the way that he was setting himself up as an option in that left-hand channel, like, it was alarming to see him tuck in so deep to the point where he's basically acting as, like, an almost like a third center back, uh, like, positionally next to Parker and Amro. And, you know, like, he, he needs to, he, like, 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 Amro can cover quite a fair bit of space, you know, so he didn't really need to tuck in that much. And as a result of that, like he'd be losing his mark on, he'd be losing his mark on the left side of the field a whole ton. And oddly enough, you know, like what the two the two goals that RSL scored, the one like uh, the the one by Douglas Martinez that got chalked off because of VAR, 
and the equalizer from Demir Krylak, right, late in the game. Note how that came from a quick pass into where Sieg- into the into the side of the field that Seegers is supposed to be covering, just simply because he didn't know where to position himself on the field, and he doesn't seem to have the recovery speed that's needed for him to get back into position when he's caught out of when he, when he's making mistakes like that. And then on the offensive side, the ball, like you could see that the left-hand channel was completely dead because nobody was make because he wasn't bold enough to be making these overlapping runs to play high, right? I think he was overcompensating too much for his uh, for a bit of a rough first half where he got caught where he got caught out a few times, right? And ended up picking up a yellow card about around the 35th minute mark. Like you could definitely see there was a lot of overcompensation from him, particularly on that left side of the field. Where just simply because I think he just lost confidence in his game and he lost confidence in his ability to, e, to go forward because of his lack of belief that he'd be able to track back in time if the A ended up turning over the ball. So, a result of that, the only player who was really doing anything for most of the game on the left hand side was Kaku. And when Kaku doesn't have that support on the left hand side, no overlapping runs or um, people trying to overload the center of the field, like all he can really do is just start sending in hopeful balls and hope it. So it's handing in hopeful crosses in the hopes that it pings around and finds Royer or White in the box. You know, and Royer and White are not center forwards that are particularly aerially adept, in my opinion. You know, like they're both guys who function a lot better with service to their feet. And as a result of that, you know, it goes back to why we only really managed to we only managed to basically create a 0.17 XG for most of the game. You know, I I just seeing the left-hand channel just get completely fucked, you know, I, 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 I it's, it's not good. And, you know, no. I, I really think the, the sooner Jason Pendant, Pendant is available, like, hopefully it gets better. Because Seagrass just really needs time in USL to adapt to the professional game. Like, yeah, I mean, the plan, I, I, like, I, look, yeah, I mean, round it out. I mean, like, if the plan was to really come into the season with a kid fresh out of college, like, knocking de- locking down the left, the starting left-back spot, like that's just fucking hubris, man. It's hubris, or it's just a complete lack of lack of a lack of foresight. I'm proud of the front yeah. office, you know. And it comes out of the boiling question. If this was the plan A going into the season, then what the fuck are we doing as an organization? Yeah, I I, th- I think I don't think that was a plan. I I I would have to assume that you know they've they've had their uh, their eyes on some. Uh, on some left back targets for whatever. I mean, look, I don't think, I don't think they actually planned on losing uh, Kamara this off season. It definitely seemed like, you know, maybe their hands were kind of, uh, were kind of forced and they got just a pretty solid offer from, uh, from Anderlecht and they, they kind of pulled the trigger. So, I mean, if there's any benefit of that, I'll give them that. Okay. You know, they, they probably did need some time to look for someone and credit. They did find, you know, they did, they did find someone, in a weird way, this thirty, this at least thirty day break that we're going to see, is good. Um, I'm assuming you know he'll still be able to get his, um, you know, get the visa work sorted out. So by the time we do start playing, whenever the hell that ends up being, uh, there won't we we basically won't get massacred on the left side for you know x amount of games. Our next game, he I fully expect him to be you know to be ready. So if there's a positive, you know, I guess there's that. But um, yeah, he's just simply not good enough. I mean, I I can't I can't imagine uh, a scenario where where he really would have been uh, where he really would have just kind of you know lit it up. 
there was there was some talk. I mean, he looked decent in, in preseason. Yeah, again, in the Cincinnati game, he looked he looked all right. Yeah, you know, he looked lost portions of the game. He but he looked okay in other portions. But look, I mean, he's a college kid out of it's uh, a draft pick out of college, right? I mean, unless you have unless just like a once in a lifetime kind of like oh wow, this kid just has that much natural ability where he kind of just slots in. Realistically, he wasn't he wasn't gonna be able to hold it down, and he showed he couldn't against a, a fucking RSL. And part of it too, I'm sure, is is the tactical fucking you know vomit that that he's instructed to do. You know, I it, it's the team as a whole just didn't look good. It, they the shape was lost relatively uh, uh, early compared to um you know to the Cincinnati game. Um, so I'm sure that's an element too. You know, kind of just not just. Learning obviously multiple steps uh, uh, in quality, he kind of just has to get used to. But understanding actual tactics, real tactics, and then the th- curveball and airs, you know, Chris Armas and and whatever nonsense he's telling to do. But yeah, look, he's just he's he's very clearly not good enough. Um, hopefully, with some time with Red Bull too, he'll uh, you know he'll kind of get cleaned up a little bit and and, and show himself better and. I can't imagine uh, Jason being any worse than him. So I, I, it has to be an immediate step up. Otherwise, like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, just go back to the whole, uh, I mean, our defense particularly, you talk about just com- like completely losing your shape. I mean, collectively as a unit, like I think it showed our defense is an absolute mess, I think. So it has been an absolute mess so far this year. Um, I mean... On top of like uh, the positional errors and just being caught out high up the field, uh, dude. I mean, you also really just got to talk about something that you touched upon earlier when you were talking about Tim Parker. I mean, like the imbi- the inability, it seems, to properly defend set pieces, you know. And I think uh, this game, you know, we could have very well lost this game four one, right? Because it took two blinders from David Jensen and a couple really desperate goal line clearances to ensure that we even we even went into like the 75th minute with like a lead to begin with. Right. Like it was, it, it was alarming to me to see that, you know, I think like despite me having two pretty, like, 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 like no one on this team seems to be able to properly um, defend a corner or set piece uh, this game. Uh, I think the only People who uh, come out, come away from this game looking relatively okay, you know, are Amro, who had some really good last-ditch, you know, interventions to prevent uh, the balls in from the left being played in. And, you know, I mean, like, when you consider the circumstances that Amro Tarek found himself in, you know, basically having to cover for the amount of space that Patrick Segrist was leaving open, you know, I think he had a... He, he comes away from this game looking like a fucking pharaoh, you know, like... Our Egyptian pharaoh, you know, like he, I, I really think he's made a case in the opening two games for him to be starting alongside Aaron Long, like once Aaron Long comes back from his uh, knock, because I mean, look, man, like Tim Parker is not playing like a nine hundred thousand dollar a year center back, like Ron Waxman, like boomed at Dennis Hamlet, dude, like that was <laughs> the fucking like a three sixty dunk hanging off the rims, rubbing your nuts in your face, like sort of contract extension, you know, like wax boomed him, dude. Like sooner or later, sooner or later, you got to earn your keep, you know? And like, 
a year into his a year and a little bit into his contract extension, like I can definitively say that Tim Parker is not playing pay, playing to the money that we are paying him to play with. And you know, this creates a lot of problems because we're going to have a million dollar we're going to be on the hooks for a million dollar contract for the next 2 years. And you know, I mean, I'm I get it coming off a of contract 2018 year, it was uh, the most logical move to keep Aaron Long and Tim Parker together because that looked like a shutdown defensive pairing the way that they looked in 2018. And then the calendar turns over to 2019 and now 2020 and, you know, still no real signs of life from Tim Parker. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know what it's going to take. Like, do you, do, will, will you be able to shed any light of what exactly yeah, I mean, this call, yeah, what, I mean, what exactly happened here? I, I still think that part of Parker's problem, um, it's a tactics. Uh, we, you know, we, we, We've talked about it a lot before, um, but he does best, I feel, when he doesn't have to think too much, um, when he's not standing around too much, when he's in a situation where he has to emergency defend, when he's on just seek and destroy type of shit. Like he's he's a he's a he's a he's good for it. He's a he's a solid uh, EDS center back. But when you're not doing that, and and this is kind of what you get when you when you, when you need him to 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 think too much when you when you need him to start thinking about positioning and kind of spatial awareness and and understanding where you know kind of what's going on around him he kind of falls apart um he he definitely he immediately looks very very average the 2018 Tim Parker especially in the first half with Jesse I I mean could was there really much of an argument against how good he was? There were some times where, yeah, he made a mistake here and there, and there were some times where maybe the team would, uh, would you know, uh, you know, maybe throttle down just a little bit under Chris, uh, under Jesse once in a blue, where you're like, oh, you can kind of see some chinks in his armor, but it, it wasn't until 2019 when there was a very clear shift in tactics where it became very obvious that he's just not, he's just not a typical center back at all. Like he just, I, I, he's just not that, he's not that great. I mean, maybe this is why Vancouver were so hesitant. Um, uh, you know, they were so quick to kind of get rid of him, not want to pay him that much money. Maybe it had nothing to do with with anything. They just didn't want to give him that kind of contract because they felt he wasn't worth it. Um, he's absolutely not playing like a nine hundred thousand dollar center back in any way, shape, or form. In a capped league, he is becoming quickly a liability. At this point, Amro is he needs to start. I'm sorry, he may not be the best EDS center back. Cause when the team was playing, you know, the few times last year where, you know, we, we saw that, you know, that, that, uh, that face, that fast paced style, man, maybe he's not, you know, the quickest and the best for emergency defending for center back and all that stuff. But, you know, for how this team is looking to play a little slower, a little deeper, whatnot, he's very good at that. And he does have solid close down speed. He may not have the, you know, the, 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 the quickest uh, or the highest top speed, but he can close down pretty quick. And he just, he just, he's a good center back. I think he's done very well so far. I mean, he reads uh, so the game pretty well, if you ask me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He reads it very well. And look, he was all over the place covering Seagrass's ass. All over the place. And you can only do that if you could read the game well, right? Yeah. Because he not only locked that down as best he could, he locked his position down. I, I really didn't see too many too many mistakes. A couple of mistakes here and there maybe, but it's going to happen. You know, no one's, no one's fucking perfect throughout the game. But he was he was solid. And Long is, for the most part, pretty consistent. Um, he fits whether we're doing EDS or not. He still has mental mistakes here and there. You know, again, it's going to happen. 
But Parker, for me, is the odd man out. He is not doing anything at all at this point to prove that 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 he should he should be starting. And and I again, I do think part of it is is tactics. But at the same time, like he still he still has to do certain basic things a lot better. You have to read the game better. At the very least, if you read the game better, you you you're you're putting yourself in a better position to, to defend. By the time that goal happened, I don't know how it wasn't perfectly clear that that's exactly what they were trying to do. And yet still, they just left all the space and he still got beat the way he did. It's it's inexcusable. There's really no excuse for it at this point. Yeah, I mean, especially again, you know, that they literally just had a goal chalked off from extremely similar circumstances, barely 20 minutes before that, right? And again, you know, I mean, like, I think if there's one, one thing that I've noticed about um, he, he about him is that it, it really does come down to the fact that it seems like he has trouble judging crosses and marking people on crossing situations, right? And I think a lot it, it comes down to that um, cliche that's been run into the ground by every single grouchy English comment, color commentator that you can think of, right? It comes down to a propensity to just ball watch, you know? Like uh, every single time that you saw, I mean, like on, the, on Douglas Martinez and Demir Krylak's goal, I mean, it was a fucking masterclass in ball watching that entire second half, right? There were, there were so many other incidences where they were basically running roughshod on our left-hand side ball float ball comes into the box parker's nowhere in sight you know like it, it seems like, like, like because like he's well because it seems like while he's focusing in on the ball being crossed in like he's just completely lost track of his of where his mark is supposed to be in space you know and i think after a while you know you really kind of do have to see that as a knock upon his game, you know, and I, I, I don't think it's excusable for a guy who is as physically big and fast as he is to be that bad at reading crosses. And it kind of really the, comes the, down- most, the most impressive thing about his inability to read a cross is like you would think someone who very clearly played a lot of time uh, playing beer pong, he would understand like how trajectory works with a fucking ball in air. And he sucks at it completely, and it's 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 unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess um, we'll 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 move on to the we'll, we'll move on to our stocks real fast. And at this point, I think some of our stocks are higher than uh, some of the stocks sitting on the uh, <laughs> sitting on the uh, New York Stock Exchange <laughs> as we speak. Um, unfortunately, I would say that the team probably suffered a similar crash this year in terms of overall stock. Right? I think. Um, not a lot of people came away from this game looking good, but if I were to award stock ups, um, I would say that David Jensen is a buy. Um, I have been quietly impressed by his game. I think, uh, you know, he comes as advertised, six foot five, but not like a lumbering six foot five, right? Surprisingly quick. Big strides allow him to uh, shut down angles really quickly. Um, he's got great reflexes for a big guy. Gets down really fast. You know that save in the first half uh, off the corner. Wow! Oof. Like I don't think yeah. you'd ever see Luis Robles make a save like that. And Robles has had a, few, a fair, a fair. Robles has had a fair few of his, uh, you know, 
fair few great highlight reel saves, but David Jensen, man, like that was sensational. You know, I think um, and his ability, I think, uh, you know, more of an imposing presence than one-on-one. Uns as well, uh, squares up to the ball really well. And uh, one little thing that I like about his game, you know, like I, I really like the shithousery that he does. You know, it has the poise of a veteran goalkeeper, right? Small little things that you saw throughout the game, like where um, he'd purposefully stoop low and wait until the last second to pick up the ball just to shave off more seconds off the clock, right? Uh, when, and then stuff like, uh, you know, preventing the ball from going out from a goal kick because he realized nobody was pressuring high up the field. So he just kind of knocks it down and just sits in and lets the ball sit in the box for a little bit to shave off more seconds off the clock and give his defenders a little bit of breather. You know, like these are the small little things that show, um, you know, that show you the poise and the presence of a veteran, of a veteran goalkeeper who knows how to read the game, right. Who has a really good game sense. And, you know, I think like it's small things like this that really do give a very nice endorsement for me to David Jensen or new number one. I really do think he should be starting over Ryan Mira going forward. Um, one slight knock I could potentially see in his game, you know, I, 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 I don't really know if he's uh, the most commanding presence in crosses yet either. But, uh, but you know, I mean, his, his defense was doing him no favors this game either. Yeah. So um, jury's still kind of out in that one. But I've liked what I've seen from him so far. He's a definite buy in my book. I think, um, yeah, I think we found ourselves a good one. You know, I, 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 I have confidence in David Jensen as a number one going forward. Um, other stock ups, you know, I think Christian Caceres had a pretty decent bounce back game. Uh, someone will knock him. I think people will knock him for turning the ball over on uh, the chance that led up to the RSL game. But, you know, I mean, like, that was just him being tackled in midfield. You know, it wasn't like a. It wasn't. That's a foul. That's that was a foul on him. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you could say that it was a foul, but, I mean, like, it was just at the end of the day, like a typical defensive, uh, typical action in midfield, right? Sometimes you get tackled, you lose the ball, and for some odd reason, since your defense is a, has a propensity for leaving guys on the left wing open all game, like, I'd rather knock that instead than knock Christian Caceres for turning the ball over to midfield, because he had a pretty decent bounce-back game, in my opinion. Um, then... You know, Amro Tarek. That'll be my last stock up, I think, for um, the episode. For this episode, uh, I think he's like I've said. You know, I, I think he's really made him. He's made a really good case for a new starting alongside Aaron Long. Uh, once Aaron, once Aaron Long comes back from his injury, you know, for all the reasons that I've already gone through. You know, he reads the game well. He has a really good game sense, and you know, I think um, he seems to have a better time marking interpreting and moving into space than Tim Parker does and anticipating what the opposition is going to do. So I think going forward, you have to say that based on merit, Aaron Long and Amro Tarek should be the starting center back pairing, in my opinion. And Tim Parker has to write the bench. Stock downs, naturally, just a quick one because I think I've already gone through them at length. Um, the two big ones at the top of my list, Segrist um, has to go down to USL. Tim Parker, you know, like, I don't want to park a million dollars on the bench, but it seems that we're going to be forced into doing that. And I think stock down collectively as a unit, you know, our attacking, our attackers don't really seem to have really shown much this season. But again, it kind of boils down to the fact that it's tactical fuckery that's kind of affecting our forwards' ability to do anything in the game, right? Collectively as a unit, Sims, Barlow, White, and Royer have been off to a slow start. 
Um, but it's also because like they're just not really getting much in the way of high quality chances being fed to them, right? Because most of our chance creation so far has been these really shitty for most of the RSL game with these really shitty hopeful crosses in the box, feeding off of scraps at that point. You didn't see any of the overloads that we're knocking that were, that were, that we were doing against Cincinnati. They're throwing them off their game. So you know, I mean, it's a minor stock down for me for um, our attacking unit, and of course Chris Armis, like. I think, I, like, like, like I, I don't know what it's going to take at this point, but yeah, uh, I, until further notice, Chris, Chris Armis is like, I don't know, I think I might, I might pay you to, I might pay you to give, to, to, to get this stock off my asset sheet, you know, <laughs> like that's how I feel about Chris Armis. I'm paying you to get him off my asset sheet for me. Yeah. Yeah. My stock ups are going to be, uh, pretty much the same, um, I thought Amor had a, a very solid game. I felt like he did uh, more than he should have by covering Seagrass as much as he did. Um, you know, it's very clear that even even with the fastest, quickest playing style that Chris wants to roll out, it's still not you know the the, the EDS of past, and he fits in it pretty well. So I, I for me, I, I, man, I don't care about about you know what their salary is and you know whether that should you know, attribute to whether they should be starting or not. To me, it's whatever. Whoever's performing the best, you know, they need to start. And and for me, he, Amro needs to start at this point. Um, you know, if, if they if that means having to, to, to bench, you know, almost a million dollars, then, you know, hey, that, that's on them. You know, they, they, they have to to uh, be smarter with their contracts and, 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 you know, keep in mind that when you give contracts to players, you know, you're not just, you're not just, you're, you're doing it under the context of, of building a roster for how you want to play. And if you're scouting that poorly or, or, or if you're not recognizing a player doesn't fit, then you shouldn't be giving out those kind of contracts. So, um, yeah, uh, big, big stock up for me on that. Um, Caster, same deal. I thought he did. I thought he did pretty solid. Um, for me, he was fouled that play. And, you know, look, it happens. Um, I think overall he, he, he kind of did his best as he could given the tactical, you know, sloppiness and whatnot. I thought he had a pretty solid game. And, and I, I, I think, I feel like overall, just in general, I get the sense that he's really kind of settling in um, uh, and, and just has a more, just has a better presence in the midfield. Now, you know, he, he doesn't look, I don't say scared like, like last year, but he just has a more confident um, you know, kind of swag about himself, uh, with the last, you know, this so far this year in the two games. Um, and yeah, Jensen has been awesome so far. Like, like you said, you know, pretty much as advertised, he's exactly what I expected. Uh, you could tell he's smart. He, he reads things well. Um, he's a big fucking lad, but he's, he's more mobile than you would expect someone his size, his, his size definitely lends into being able to kind of charge up and, and, you know, collect balls and, and kind of just assume his presence over over guys. Um, amazing, amazing save. He's good. Uh, I think as he kind of just settles in and, and learns a little bit more, and you know all that good shit, he's 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 going to be good. I can't, I cannot accept a single reason why um, he should not be our starter going forward. I'm sorry. There's just there's no reason at all. Period. I. I, what the fuck? I don't even know why you're even talking about this kind of shit. He's a starter. Like, gosh, I would be so fucking pissed off if someone even said, oh, but Mira, no. Shut the fuck up. He's Jensen, Jensen's a starter. That's it. And it's end of fucking discussion. Um, 
stock down. Oh man. Um, at this point, Parker's stock for me is about as high as he could jump. Um, I, 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 I've said, I've said enough. I think this episode, uh, he's, yeah, you know, he's getting bit by some tactical stuff, I think, but he's just simply not being good enough in, in a lot of ways on an individual level. It's just unacceptable. Uh, Seagrass, I feel bad because, you know, he's, he's yet another, yet another player under this regime who is being put in a position they shouldn't be put in. Now, Jesse is very, very big on, on, um, pushing players and, and putting them in tough spots and, and putting them in a position where they're going to fail, but he knows that they're good enough to succeed and use those lessons and, and, and build themselves up. I mean, Adams is a perfect example where he was, he is, he said a couple of times he wishes he would have pushed him even sooner, even though we saw, you know, Adams was a little, little, you know, rocky in the first, uh, you know, first couple of games, but you do it with certain players in certain times right this is a college draft pick i'm sorry that's just there's just simply not enough real experience to do that at least someone like adams or at least a rebel two player sees just a higher level of soccer to some degree you know they're seeing uh more complex tactics on on their side but they're also reading and seeing more complex tactics from the opposing team like you're just you're just naturally you're you're just a better player coming out of uh, uh, you know rebel two than you would ever be coming out of college. I don't care how good of a college soccer program it is. You're just, you're, there's just no way you'll be able to come out of there and really be ready for MLS at, at a high level, especially positions like fullback, especially where look, even though our fullbacks don't play as high as they did before, we still demand a lot of our fullbacks. So yeah, I, I feel bad for the kid, but he's just, no, that was an absolutely awful game after what was at least an okay game. It was a somewhat redeemable game, you know, against Cincinnati. He was, it was just, he was lost, just completely fucking lost. I feel terrible. And last but not least, of course, Chris Armas. <laughs> I, I, you don't, you don't, you don't need to say anything. I think like, like uh, <laughs> there's, there's not enough fake money that the United States government can provide. Um, not, not even, you know, the 1.2, 1.5 trillion dollars that he just spurred up out of thin air to cover for, uh, for, you know, more, more bank bailouts and, and, and not for, you know, people. Um, but there's not enough of that money that you could possibly give me to be like, yeah, no, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll buy some stocks from, from Chris. It just, no. No, he should just like shut down as a business and just give up entirely, just quit, resign. Yeah, Chris Ar- Chris Armas stock at this point is like <laughs> is like Lehman Brothers stock, right? In two thousand eight, you know, like I think I think we're at that level now. It's just fucking, it's fucking just complete junk bonds. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um. So I think um that will conclude our our discussion about the RSL game. Uh, we were going to see in the Minnesota United, but naturally that's been canceled because of this uh, thing they call the boomer remover, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's come. It's come to America and it's suspended the season for 30 days. And uh, apparently it's infected Jair Bolsonaro. So it's actually Antifa. Like this fucking rules, man. Like here's the deal. Like I, what, what I don't understand about coronavirus, right? Like you look at what it's done so far. 
It's reduced carbon emissions. It's disproportionately killed all these racist old old people. And it's now infected Bolsonaro and maybe Donald Trump? How is this thing supposed to be bad from that perspective? You know, it's 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 legitimately a force for enabling the victory of, pro- of progressive politics in America, <laughs> potentially. Because uh, I mean, really, huh? Comrade COVID. Comrade COVID. Yeah, I mean, like from that perspective, anyway. I mean, I guess it fucking rules. Uh, the part where it's uh, obviously going to drive a lot of, um, you know, I think um, it's it's also going to drive a lot of, uh, you know, I think service workers out of jobs. Obviously, that's really bad. And also um, the inability for the American government to make uh, to, to to allow those without money to access the means that they need to get proper testing and care for this thing. You know, I mean, that sucks ass because there are people yeah. going to all over the country going to be slapped of obscene medical bills, uh, chart, just trying to treat this damn thing, you know, and of course, it's going to tax. Uh, it's going to be really taxing for a lot of frontline healthcare workers. You got to be really careful about. But, you know, I mean, there are silver linings in every dark storm, right? And uh, if this ends up killing Bolsonaro and uh, saving the Amazon, then, you know, maybe, may, maybe, just maybe, there's a, the, I would consider that a net positive. And especially <laughs> if it means that Lula comes back to power in Brazil. So, yeah. <laughs> Lula livre, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, shit, shit posting aside, I mean, it, it, I feel like it was a smart move. Um you know, a day or two before, you know, in, in, in the discussion group and other places, people like, oh, no, this is stupid. But I, I think within a matter of 24 hours, it, it was weird how quickly it became very obvious that this is something that's, you know, it's serious. I mean, no one should be acting like the zombie apocalypse is upon us. Um, but at the same time, it's also incredibly stupid just to brush it off as, oh, it's just a flu. It's just a flu. It's absolutely not just a flu. You know, the the, the, the amount of the, the, the mortality rate comparison alone just completely discounts that absolutely nonsensical fucking argument um and and look the, the reality is this is a big fucking country and 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 us here we live in a very very populated part the most densely populated part of the country and it's very 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 easy to pass this shit along and you know when you're when you're talking about high mortality rates for old people and and you know for for people with any kind of you know uh uh because apparently this just mimics, you know, some severe cases of like pneumonia and shit. You get a lot of pneumonia-like symptoms. So if you have any kind of like respiratory problems or any kind of like immune uh, immune issues, like shit like that, like, you know, it's a potentially serious thing. And, you know, as much as we love, you know, our fucking sports and all that shit and, you know, all the other stuff, it just, look, man, at the, this is all, it's all games, right? It's all fake. None of this shit's fucking real. Um, it's, it's where we, 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 pay to watch a bunch of fucking grown mad kick a ball around and it's not worth the safety of, you know, a significant portion of the populace, you know, being at risk and passing this along to, to, you know, people who, who aren't healthy and may not, you know, may not survive. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty healthy person and, you know, I hope I don't fucking get it, but the way, you know, the way, you know, CDC is talking is a good chance that, you know, good 40, 50% of the population might get it. But look, realistically, I, I'm healthy. I don't have any, you know, lung issues, or respiratory issues or any of that shit. You know, I have a three month old, which thankfully so far seems like, you know, really young kids and even infants don't really have much to worry about. But still, you know, I have a, I have a grandfather. You know, I'm around older people and shit. And he just, you know, I have I know people who have respiratory problems and stuff like that. So it's like, 
look, if we got to sacrifice a couple of games and people have to kind of just be normal and just, you know, talk to people and do things and I don't know, watch fucking porn and Netflix all day, just shut the fuck up and do it. Like it's, it's a grand scheme of things. It's not that big of a fucking deal. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the, the most important thing at this point is making sure the shit's contained and it doesn't spread as quickly as possible. The real tough part is going to be, you know, the financial part, not even the, the, the viral end of it. You know, all these people who look schools are closed across the country and it's only going to be closing more, you know, for, for some places up to a month, you know, all these parents who have to figure out, okay, you know, I don't have anyone to watch the kid. They might even not, you don't even want someone to watch your kid. Cause God knows if they have it, you know, now you see, so now you have, to deal with with people losing income of you know because uh you know they they have to stay home and watch their kid or you know they have to self-quarantine or they actually get sick i mean there's a long list of shit that that people have to worry about that's more important than you know than just the game so hopefully this 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 fucking just completely stupid back ass backwards country uh gets your shit together and, and they actually vote on that bill that was uh that was introduced today and um you know, there's some kind of at least financial relief and, you know, the, the health part kind of just, you know, falls into place with the right, with the right decisions. And, you know, that's, that's kind of all we can do. And look, the sports shit, they can figure out, you know, if, 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 uh, I, th- I think the U S open cup is, is, uh, suspended. I don't think they're canceling it yet, but there's a chance they might cancel it. Um, uh, the MLS probably won't be back realistically until, you know, sometime at best mid April, probably more like the end of April. Um, and that's kind of have to figure that and that's being generous. Yeah. That's being very generous. Yeah. I mean, look, if this ends up spreading as quickly as people think in the time frame that they think right about when these stadiums start opening up is when it's going to get like the, the rates going to really start increasing and they're just, they're not going to open them up. So I, 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 I fully expect no sports until probably like May or so, which, Hey, look, fine. It is what it is, man. Again, it's, it's, I don't want to fucking have, look, anything that's going to prevent me from having to be forced to watch Chris Armas, a Chris Armas led soccer team, then uh, that's always a positive. So. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, as a frame of reference here in Singapore, right. I think we, uh, I've been working, I've been on a work from home order for like the past month or so. Right. And that's where I think it was in about, uh, early February, late January, where things were really starting to get out of hand. And, uh, you know, I mean, I would say that, you know, for the most part, the, even though the government's response has mostly been pretty good at containing the virus to limiting the virus to about 100 cases or so, right, which are slowly starting to be on the up again. Uh, but not, but nevertheless, you know, it's as a notable frame of reference, I think it's notable that they've canceled events here in June, Right. National team soccer games here canceled March and June. All those gone. So I think even for a country that seems to have it relative, relatively more under control, right? Like we do right now, are canceling events in that are going deeper into the summer. Realistically, you know, I think. Um, realistically, you know, I think um, I have a much more pessimistic outlook on it. I could totally see the season being truncated. And restarting in like July or August, even, you know, because I think, because, um, you know, I think you have to remember that even, there may be a point where cases may be peaking in terms of diagno- like diagnoses. But the last thing you want to do when it seems like uh, the number of cases has slowed down 
is to slowly, um, you know, start allow people to start congregating on mass again, right? Because just because the number of cases being diagnosed has slowed down doesn't mean that there aren't, aren't cases that need to be treated and tracked, you know. And it's until I think a higher rate of people are starting to be discharged while the new transmission rate stays relatively low. That's when you can start thinking about. Um, that's when you can start thinking about um, starting to release to, to relax these rules a little bit more. And we're not, and even then, we're not really at that point yet here in Singapore, right? Like I think two months into this crisis, having only had about 100 cases to manage or so. So realistically, people, I would probably put like you know, I think it could it, it could very well go into August or September if you really really want a pessimistic outlook. And I think, you know, honestly, with the way the U.S. government has had a comparatively lax response, right? They ha has had a comparatively lax response and they can't do um, some of the contact tracing measures that we have here um, to track who and where has gotten it. You know, like that just makes things so much harder to control the spread, right? Which is probably the most critical thing early on in uh, responding to an infectious disease like this. So, you know, I mean, I, I anticipate that things are probably going to be a lot worse in America than they are in some parts of Asia, you know, just simply because they don't have the robust control, ability, the robust ability to track these things throughout the population, as well as readily accessible public infrastructure that is needed to properly track and treat diseases. Wow. Here's a thought. Maybe if we increase public spending and things like healthcare, these things would be much easier to manage, right? Instead of just hoarding things like healthcare in the hands of private companies who are only going to make it accessible to those that have a shit ton of money. Like, <laughs> yep. Just a food for thought, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a bit closer to home, I think this probably kind of uh, negates the whole question of whether or not Jason Pendant's going to be available before the weekend right because i think at this yeah. point like at the least going to be suspended for like a month so if he's not in yeah. if he's not in uniform by the time the league restarts like i'd be shocked i mean he could also contract the virus which would be supremely fucked up you know like <laughs> i don't wish that upon anybody uh, <laughs> i mean like you said you know like i came into this episode like with some notes right about how suddenly you have adrian he's minnesota united looking really really fucking good and all of that just got thrown out the window but you know i mean like i think it's probably the right move to suspend the league and all other sporting events uh until further notice and to cancel the season if you need be i mean like public safety is a lot more paramount than if your stupid tin pot team in a stupid tin pot league raises some stupid tin pot trophy at the end of the season, right? I think, like, <laughs> spend spend the time that you have right now with, uh, I don't know, family, friends, you know, pick up a couple board games and a new hobby that you can do indoors. I mean, like, it's not the end of the world, you know? Uh, it's an, it's not the end of the world uh, if we don't have yeah. soccer to watch every weekend, you know, I think. Seriously, it's 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 a it's a it's a minor inconvenience. You know, I, if anything, I feel bad for all the you know the stadium workers and you know front office people who, you know, there's no games that they they don't work. So I mean, I I hope I hope to see uh, you know the New York Rebels front office um, you know kind of step up to the plate. I can't remember which team came out and said that they were gonna 
that they were going to be paying their, you know, temp and full-time workers um, as they would for every home game as if the games actually happened. I can't remember what the team was. Maybe maybe the union or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, they should definitely, definitely do that, right? Especially since, yeah, yeah like I'm you said, hoping. they're contract workers. They need this money. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, look, the owner of this team is literally the wealthiest um, soccer owner in, like, the entire world. There's there's no – there would be no justification for it at all if if they don't do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping they do the right thing here. Yeah, that would be a really, really bad look for the club if they don't do anything of that sorts. But then again, you know, I mean, like, uh, they do pay the Red Bull 2 players, like, hourly – on timesheets and shit uh, like that. So yeah, who who is the player who posted a fucking who posted something on Instagram looking for uh for for like a part time job? Or Sebastian job or Elney, shit? wasn't it? Sebastian yeah. Elney. Yeah, I mean, like this is a reminder, folks. I mean, look, the 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 ones that stand to lose the most potentially here are those who are on hourly, who are basically on hourly, who are doing hourly work like this. You know, it's the temp staff in the stadium, it's the volunteers. The ushers, security guards, the Delaware North staff, the. But it also, I mean, it trickles down to our reserve players as well. You know, I mean, the people who do not have a consistently gainful means of employment are the ones who stand to lose the most of this. And, you know, these are enti- people's entire livelihoods at stake. You know, your minor inconvenience because you can't watch a soccer game doesn't, I think, really doesn't really pales in comparison to the fact that, you know, I mean, people are depending on this team quite literally for their livelihoods, right? And it's not the full-time employees that are at risk here. You know, it's, like you said, it's the contract attempts, the um, the people who, yeah, I mean, it's the contract actors and attempts have the most to lose. You know, I really do hope our club steps in to give the monetary assistance that we need because, I mean, I mean, we're so fucking cash rich. You know, yes. I mean, like, say what you want about the transfer fees and shit like that. I won't get I won't get heated about transfer fees, but I'll get heated like not paying our workers like a fair wage that our, our a fair wage to see them get by in times like these. You know, because we certainly have the means to do it. You know, and I think that yeah. would reflect really, really badly upon the club if they don't do that. So, yeah, it's especially yeah, uh, it would be it would be absolutely unacceptable. I mean, there, there's there's really there's really not much more for you to say to that. That would be really extremely fucked up if uh, if that were the case. So hopefully they step up and, you know, take care of shit. But we'll see. I guess with that, we'll move on to uh, some of the uh, questions in the mailbag that we have today. It's been a very coronavirus-themed mailbag. Um, <laughs> begin with one with a take from Edward Ritter. Thanks for sending this in, Ed. My take is MLS play will soon be suspended until the threat passes. And well, there you go. I mean, you kind of called it like I think about a couple days before. So congratulations, you are tonight's winner on the Price Is Right. Um, <laughs> also asking about the coronavirus, Stephen DeUrso, should MLS follow suit with the NBA and suspend the season? Well, I mean, they already have, but I think that it comes down to whether or not like you cancel the season if it goes on long enough. And you know, I really think for the interest of public safety, you should. You know, I mean, if it means that the leagues don't play to prevent further spread, I mean, I think you're going to have to do it, right? I mean, it seems to be the sensible thing to just have people stay home and not spread contagion. Because another important thing to remember that just because you're asymptomatic and you're not experiencing any of the symptoms, A, it doesn't necessarily mean 
in that you're not carrying the disease because you may be a carrier and you may be a carrier that doesn't exhibit symptoms and the worst symptoms, but you can spread it to someone who will, right? So if you, even if you're a symptomatic, if you, you were tested positive as a carrier of the disease, you may be spreading it inadvertently to people who don't have the immune system that you have. And by the way, your money does not insulate you from being a carrier of the disease. So don't be a fucking moron, yeah? And touch everything within sight with your hands, right? And go out willy-nilly and spread this disease to basically everyone within sight. Okay, if you're not feeling well, stay at home. Wash your hands frequently. And for the love of God, don't boast about this shit in social media, okay? Like, holy fuck. Like, practice social responsibility here, people. It helps prevent spread. Um... Okay, so then we'll move on to Patrick Dawan asking, since the coronavirus persists on surfaces and is not airborne, does it mean Parker is immune from it? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 I would argue, you know, like him, him having to stick to the surface actually makes him like more prone to it, if anything. Right, because it yeah. means he's on the ground more. <laughs> if it was air, if, if it was airborne, he'd have a higher chance of catching it because it means he, it means he can actually jump into the sky or something. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. But you know, that's that that's a great A burn. Uh, I, I do appreciate that one. Uh, that's that's going into the Metro Fan TV Hall of Fame. So thanks for that one, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> The last one coming from a friend of the show, Lee Jutton. Thanks for sending in the question, Lee. Which member of the squad is most likely to get coronavirus and give it to the rest of the team before <laughs> even realizing they have it? It's not Alex Muel, the superb B-Owl. I see, I see your shade in the uh, mentions. I don't think it's Alex Muel. <laughs> uh, to be honest, like my leading candidate prior to him being cut was Luis Robles, right? Because he'd probably be on like some Bible shit, right? Be like, oh, God will cure me of coronavirus. I'll be okay. I'll be saved through the power of mystic prayer healing. <laughs> prayer healing. <laughs> and he'll inadvertently spread the disease to fucking everybody on the team through that. It'd probably be Luis. It would have probably been Luis Robles. But now, you know, it'd probably be someone like Tim Parker. I was going to say Tim Parker. Yeah. It would 100% be Tim Parker, dude. I mean, like, just be like, oh. It doesn't even like I, like I don't know. I, 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 Tim Parker could. I, I have my doubts that Tim Parker knows how to spell coronavirus, let alone like know what it is. Jesus uh, judging from the way that he reads crosses, but yeah, no. I mean, I think it has to be Tim Parker for me. Like, I yeah, totally he just comes it. off. He just comes off as as probably being the most completely nonchalant. Like, eh, it's no big deal, and just doing the dumbest shit. And going to the dumbest, most like, do not go places you can possibly manage. Like, I have no doubt whatsoever that he is definitely out tonight. He is in New York City somewhere, out and about doing shit. He he's probably getting it right now. Actually, he's <laughs> it, it's eleven fifteen p.m. on a Friday night. It's actually kind of nice out tonight. One hundred percent, he's in some. He's somewhere in the city, like contracting the virus right now as we speak he's getting it he has it if it's not tim parker it's definitely like ryan mirror because i think ryan mirror is doing the exact same thing 
probably. <laughs> no, no, no. He's probably just chilling right now in the firehouse. Or you no, know, he's probably in like some dive bar in Yonkers with like a backwards baseball cap, like just talking about how he's a professional athlete, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think those would be my, my 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 main suspects would be Tim Parker and Ryan Mirror, you know, like the real barstool bro energy dudes on the team. <laughs> yeah, definitely be the two of them. Uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think who would be the least likely. Probably be someone who like shuts shuts. Like it's like it probably Gaku. has been the last person to get it because he's like home no, with his wife and two kids, like just hanging out. Well, actually, oh, like yeah. Square right now, so maybe he'd be immune from that. But also, like <laughs> he Times Square too much, that makes me kind of nervous. It probably exactly, be like yeah. home and watches anime all day. So no, 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 no. You know who's gonna get it first? Who? Josh Sims. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Please explain because his, because his great leader in England is basically saying we want everyone to get it to boost their immune system. So he's probably like, oh yeah, this is a good idea, and he's just touching everything. <laughs> he's with Tim Parker right now, just contracting the virus. You know, like the the, the assumption here is that like he, he he he's incapable of thinking that Boris Johnson is a dumb piece of shit. But that is true. You know, but but you know, I mean, and he's not in England right now. You know, like 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 how how how, how much do we know uh, about yeah, how closely it, it, do we know Josh Sims follows news back home? That's true, and I I've seen some leftist ish type stuff on his likes in his Twitter, so I'll give him a pass. I'll give him a pass. It's, yeah, I mean, it's okay. I mean, at the very least, he seems like some vaguely center left. Lip yeah. labor dude, you know, like, yeah, not true, the most yeah. ideal position to be in, but it's a start, I guess. Uh, let me think. Like, least likely, I I would probably say, like I said, you know, it's probably be a guy who just sits at home and watch, does nothing but watch anime. So it'd be Cal Duncan. Oh, He's definitely yeah. binge watching Naruto right now. <laughs> true. Mark and Royer are a very close second. Behind uh, behind Parker, just because they love going out and doing shit, they're like in some fucking like I don't know, like rave bar, getting it. Yeah, they're probably in some warehouse in Brooklyn right now. Yeah, but those don't usually start until like after twelve. So Parker is going to get it first, and then they'll get it. It'd be funny. Parker's probably Parker has it already, and then Parker is going to meet them somewhere, and then he's going to give it to them. Oh man! Why, why, why the fuck is why the fuck is BWP in the app still as one of our players? That's disrespectful. They even changed his number to sixty six. Yeah, you, you got to fix that shit, man. Like, like, uh, why, why would you do this to us? They're just taunting us, you know. I mean, like, uh, they, it's literally the Antichrist year. You know, I think um, it's just a, it's just a great, it's just a reminder that all your favorites will one day pass on into the uh, great beyond, and your legacies will mock you endlessly, knowing that you'll never experience the type of joy that they once delivered to you ever, ever again. You know, that's that's how I kind of see it. Hmm. Oh man, well, yeah, I guess that kind of rounds out a very coronavirus-centric episode of Metrofan TV's rundown. This is probably going to be the episode, the last episode we're going to be recording for a while. So like I said, ladies and gentlemen, I think it seems to be quite pertinent 
that we rebranded from the weekly rundown in time for this um for the for the bizarre interesting times that we find ourselves in um so i guess with that stay safe wash your hands have your feelings sick stay at home to the u.s government give all your workers paid sick leave for the love of fuck they need it now more than ever and Medicare for all is the default standpoint that you should be having in order to properly combat this fucking disease. So do not vote for the candidate that, so oh, if you're voting for the candidate that is actively pushing against it because of magic wands or whatever shit, fuck you and fuck Joe Biden. Yes. Metrofan TV saying peace. Fernando, do you have anything to add? No, just, <laughs> no, I, I, I have nothing to add to that. Just. Yeah. Yep. Demolish capitalism. Good night, folks. <laughs>